For years, I just dreaded going to the dentist. But at Advanced Dentistry, I don't have to. First and foremost, they want you to feel comfortable when you walk in, like, you'll feel it. Whereas in the past, I might have gone into the dentist and thinking, I might feel some pain at some point. But with IV sedation, it can be something that you don't dread. If you've been avoiding the dentist because of fear, worry, or just not wanting to be judged, you're not alone. Visit NoFearDentist.com to learn how IV sedation can change your life. Welcome to Love It or Leave It Out of the Closets, Into the Streets. Do you ever feel like it's hard to find Little light inside that tells you you're alright When you feel so different from all your friends You're stuck in your head What if I told you there's a place I know Where you can wear what you want cause it's your show The only names they call you ones you chose Come under our rainbow As we go out the closet and into the streets when they all hear us marching and celebrating cause we know who we are we gotta shine it wear our flags with pride don't gotta hide it we are we are out of the closet out of the closet That amazing song, very sweet, very earnest, sent by July, like the month that preceded this one. If you have an Out of the Closets Into the Street song, email to us at leaveit at crooked.com. And just so you know, you're running out of time, okay? Because between you, me, and the studio, there's only a couple more Into the Streets, Out of the Closets, Reverse It episodes left because pretty soon it's going to become time for a new title, which is Love It or Leave It, Live or Else, <laughs> which is... <laughs> Which will begin on a date coming soon, all right? Very soon. Just want you to know that I named that. I did not run it by anybody, and I surprised everyone in this room with that title, and we're going with it. We need four more Out of the Closets themes, and then we're going to go to Live or Elf, and so just start working on your Live or Elf themes, too, all right? Because they've been amazing. Also, 2022 is just around the corner, and in order to win elections in the face of the GOP's endless attacks on democracy, we are going to have to dig deep and work harder than ever before, and that needs to start Early, Vote Save America's brand new No Off Years program will support the groups and organizers laying the groundwork in key states through remote volunteer opportunities, targeted donations, and education on what's at stake in upcoming elections. Sign up to volunteer and get involved right now at votesaveamerica.com slash no off years because we have to use 2021 to win in 2022. And we're calling all Love It or Leave It listeners. This is the last week to take the Crooked survey and share your opinions about the show. If you love it, you can tell us. If you don't, you can still tell us. And as a thank you, we are offering a 20% discount on any order from the Crooked store for everyone who fills out the survey. You can find the survey at crooked.com slash survey today. Programming note, we have done like 30 or some odd Love It or Leave It's in a row. Brian, how many in a row? 31, boss. No, it's more than that. (laughs) <laughs> some some obscene number in a row. So we're doing this show. Next week, we have an amazing show uh, with new rants from some of our favorite guests uh, that have been coming in to record amazing rants. And then the week after that, we're going to have a special of uh, some of our favorite moments from the past year. 
The week after that, no episode for you, right? We're going dark for one week, and then we'll be back with live shows. On this week's show, we pay solemn tribute to a fallen pervert in Albany. Oh, no. (laughs) BuzzFeed's David Mack is here to explain why gays have such dirty VCRs. Conservative radio host Britt McClintock offers a rare apology, and I can't decide if I want to talk about the Climate Report or the Bachelorette, so we're going to do both at the same time. But first, she is the creator and star of Showtime's Work in Progress. Please welcome Abby McEnany. Abby, thank you so much for being here. Ah, thanks, John. It's really nice to be here. I'm very nervous. Nervous? Oh, come on. Come on. Nervous. (laughs) A couple, uh, shocking. Uh, First of all, (laughs) podcast, incredibly low stakes. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) they are so i wouldn't worry about that that'd be my first thing i'd say i don't have a second point that's really the only i was gonna say i was like is there another point because i'm ready for it i guess you know what it was i'll tell you there was a second point but honestly i found myself i as a host some what i was gonna say my second point was gonna be something like and you're so wonderful and you're so great but i felt like you didn't need that and you didn't want me to do that and nobody wanted it you know what I mean? Right. Exactly right. Because we've never met. We've and never then, like, met. you know, I'm new in this business and boy, people tell you that they don't fucking know me. I mean, <laughs> they're going to be like, when they meet, they're like, you're a fucking trash bag. I'm like, bitch, I've been telling you this whole time. <laughs> you know but see, this is why I was. I think there's no reason to be nervous. Oh, okay. You've already, you're already, honestly, you're, you're, you're already better than most of the guests we've had. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're gonna let's let's uh, circle back at the end of this thing, and you'll be like, "I'd like to retract everything in the first thirty-two seconds." Let's get into it. All right, what a week! I mean, <laughs> this week, Fox News is Peter Ducey. Question White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki about Biden's contributions to vaccine hesitancy when he said not to trust Donald Trump, to which Psaki responded, the former president was also suggesting people inject versions of poison into their veins to cure COVID. And that's called, Abby. Fun stuff. It's called dropping a deucey. Oh, no. Oh, my God. I sh- you know what? I should always let people know. I really, shockingly enough, knowing my language, I hate bathroom humor. <laughs> Okay, so put you know it in the why, fucking John? comments, Abby. I don't. I, I, no, first of all, uh, but you know what? The way you do it was a f- hugely classy act. Oh my god! See, that's even uh, that was more diss on me than you, John. Am I? I'm, see, you want to start again? I'm sorry. I'm no, fucking we're not starting again. I'm not doing oh, this again. You. We like, did oh, the intro. We're not going to be able to capture said, this again. This this well, energy oh. is a one time thing. <laughs> Emotionally, like, like our first meeting. We're not going to redo it. I'm not going to fake this chemistry. It's a one-time thing because I'm never having you I'm back. Listen, you again. I know. Not after this. <laughs> not after the way I've been treated. <laughs> I, think so. I think. I think. We're... Wait, I'm having a Honestly, ball. I'm glad you're bringing this energy. I'm in a really strange. So just so you know. Uh, tell me everything. Just <laughs> <laughs> so you know. We're recording a bunch of stuff today. Okay. And this is, I believe, our 33rd episode in a row, right? I don't believe we missed one in 33 weeks. Brian, do you have the exact number? Of course you don't. Fucking lazy piece of shit. But the- <laughs> <laughs> hey, Brian, you and I have a lot in common. Don't know who you are, but yeah. Lazy so, piece of shit, that's my niche. <laughs> so the point is, we're recording We're recording this. We're recording basically two and a half episodes today. Oh, it's God. our last oh. episode. I'm out of time. I'm going to the White Lotus on Sunday. Cannot wait. No, you're not for real. <laughs> not going to the White Lotus. I was going to seriously like. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was like, that's living that life, baby. <laughs> <laughs> the point is, 
I'm in a strange headspace, and this is the right energy. Marjorie, okay. I'm getting back to the news. Marjorie okay. Taylor Green. Oh, big fan. And you know what? She's a fan of me. Oh, is she? Oh, she loves, yeah. yeah. She's a huge. You know, I, I uh, represent everything she loves about our freedoms. <laughs> I, uh, she seems like a huge Showtime person. Oh, my God, yeah. She loves big, fat, masculine dykes. <laughs> <laughs> She represents Facebook's 14th Congressional District. She's been suspended from Twitter yet again, this time for uh, declaring that the FDA should not approve the COVID vaccines because they are, quote, failing, end quote. Speaking of people we only know about because our society is broken, Chet Hanks. Oh, my God. The rapper, artist, chameleon. I'm doing, uh, I'm doing quote marks for you. When you go back to rapper, artist, I'm going, uh, okay, quote marks. I tried to put the quote marks with my intonation. I was trying to... You know to- what you did? And I'm a piece of shit. See, where's... <laughs> I told you this from the beginning. God, I'm said I'll stop interrupting. That's a bullshit lie. Okay, continue. Rapper artist, son of America's sweetheart. <laughs> anyway, he did <laughs> Stop the quote fingers. It's they're getting kind of gross. <laughs> if you do it long enough, it becomes disgusting. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. The point is he's a he did a video. Chad Hanks. Son of Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson, the best celebrities we have. He did an anti-vax video. So Marjorie Taylor Greene, anti-vax. Yeah. Chad Hanks, anti-vax. Yeah. And then impossibly, Marjorie is walking down the hallway with a stack of papers. Uh, They're printed out word jumbles. Uh, And Chad (laughs) is coming down the same hallway on the phone. He's in a big record deal negotiation with someone who is not in the record business. (laughs) He's drinking a hot coffee. They're both distracted. They smash into each other. Yeah. Words are exchanged. Yeah. And then they both realize we're both heading to the same green room to do a segment on Hannity, and the producers accidentally double booked us. You leave, says the failed rapper, most famous for pretending to speak with various accents. No, you leave, says the crank who found out about the Holocaust as an adult. But there was something between them. Yeah. Yeah. A feeling. Yeah. And let's just say. It was a spark that could melt steel beams. <laughs> and, uh, that, by the way, I want you to know something. Look, we're kidding around here, all right? And we're joking about interrupting, all right? We're having yeah. a good time. But yeah. what I saw was a generous performer who was like, you know what? This is clearly building to something. I'm yeah. going to hang back till we get to the end. Yeah. And, it was- and I, you know, I'm thrilled. <laughs> I'm thrilled I did because it, it killed. <laughs> It was well worth it. And I took everything I had, you know. But it was, you nailed it. I'm thrilled. Thrilled. He's thrilled. Oh, my God. That's I so thought funny. you were setting up like a meet cute for like mm-hmm. the worst pilot ever. Yep. Which worst, you are. And, yep. Yeah. Or maybe, you, oh, you know what? Let's make it a, uh, a made for TV movie. Yeah. Let's get it on Netflix. Netflix is saving yeah. a rom com, you know? Oh, my God. Yeah. It, you know, it's saving something. So I don't know what that means. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Put it in the comments, Abby. <laughs> On Monday. Oh, gosh. No, I'm moving back. Uh, <laughs> 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 oh, gosh. On Monday, Andrew Cuomo's former assistant, Brittany Camisso, sat down with CBS this morning to discuss her allegations of sexual harassment. Calling out Cuomo's claim that he's just affectionate with everyone, Camisso said these were not hugs that he would give his mother or his brother. Which I guess means his mother and brother didn't get the fucking promotion. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I think his brother was doing pretty well until recently. Yeah. 
Yeah, it seems like... I mean, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. I mean, we'll fingers see. crossed. There is an ethical issue, obviously. Yeah, with- there is! <laughs> <laughs> I love that you you looked up and like, you know what? One thing is, I'm pretty sure there's an ethical issue here. Uh-huh. <laughs> there is. There is. There is. There is. Mm-hmm. That's it. I'll leave it there. No, no. That, oh, there's a second part Here's that nobody point. needs. Here's the <laughs> <laughs> put it in the fucking comment no so okay. <laughs> here's what i mean here's what i mean when andrew cuomo and chris cuomo were doing their kind of brother act uh-huh. that is ethically questionable but it's not a secret they're not pretending they're not brothers he's not pretending to not be biased it's obviously you know you have to you can he has to disclose everyone knows he's going to have a bias I do think that there was a, clearly a moment where he needed to speak more forcefully about basically like, I am not going to cover these allegations. They are serious. I will leave it up to other journalists. I think kind of going dark the way they have has not been good. People are like, Chris Cuomo is still talking to his brother. Of course he's still talking to his yeah, brother. Yeah, he's his it's brother. It's his brother. Your problem is that they were too chummy on television before. But actually, this doesn't make that worse. That was just a problem right. that you were uncomfortable with at the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. What is journalism? And it goes like, why was it allowed? Like, why was, they should have done a fucking like you know Sunday dinner at the Cuomo's, like a little podcast, and they talked this shit. But like, that's not fucking news. But the thing about it is, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Oh, I'm gonna learn a lot. The reason they did it, you're not. The reason they did it is because people loved it. They loved seeing uh-huh. Andrew Cuomo and Chris Cuomo yucking sure. it up, giving each other brotherly shit. And so the audience really liked it, right? Like this was something like the chummy way in which a, a CNN anchor and a governor interacted was like something people liked to see. I thought it was charming, right? Like I didn't know what was about to happen. But but you knew they were brothers. And that's the I knew they were away. brothers. Okay. They were you know brothers. what? They were Let's trim this all down. Let's cut this down just to the part where we were critical. To nothing. <laughs> <laughs> to, to the you know point where before Abby to the critical parts. Cut it down all the way to just the critical parts. Let's just get out of this. Let's get out of this <laughs> safely. Maybe leave this in now. Now it's funny to talk about only leaving in the critical parts. Does Chris Cuomo have daughters? Because I didn't he hear does. an apology to his nieces. I'll tell you that. She'll tell you, she'll tell you that. She'll tell you that. <laughs> she'll tell you that. Oh, right. Again, nobody cares. Right. Copy. Over on Twitter. Alec Baldwin mourned Cuomo's resignation, lamenting, regardless of what you think of Cuomo, this is a tragic day. Party politics in this country draw ambitious but ultimately isolated, even socially maladjusted men and women who, given the current cancel culture, will likely have their shortcomings exposed and magnified. It really makes you think that Alec Baldwin is surrounded by people who pretend he's smart all the time. Nothing is clearer to me than the fact that Alec Baldwin at a dinner party is the fucking worst. I, and also, like, yeah, Alec Baldwin, a known defender of women and girls, including his daughter, yeah, says, like, oh, boy, this is a tragic... You, let, let's, let's start using the word tragic and tragedy uh, appropriately, sir. Yeah, Jesus Christ. And also, whoever's invited him into a, a dinner party, that's on them. Fuck Woody them. Allen. Woody Allen is the person oh. who's inviting him. <laughs> what's Wait, happening okay. that's real i'm sorry that I, okay but i'm sorry we're gonna start with and like woody allen you're buried the lead fuck everybody at that table <laughs> although you know what god bless if you need help blink twice we'll come get you <laughs> blink twice <laughs> abby will come get you also i don't drive and i'm in uh yeah but i'll come i'll come find you we'll figure it out don't we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll get bogged down in the details yes you blink we'll come we? get you <laughs> yeah just for the raise a podcast she just blinked a bunch yeah. just to show you what it would be like yeah 
She's not blinking. Someone's going to blink at her. Yes. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. <laughs> I know. Uh, just so you know, John goes, just uh, exhaled and did a, a, a through his, he's, he's over this. Yeah, those are audible. Okay, I know. But like, it, <laughs> he looked, he looked very distressed. I don't know if that was, oh, sorry. It was in your intonation. Fuck me. Uh, let's go. <laughs> Wait, are we okay, John? Wait, are we having, I'm having a ball. Are we okay? I can't tell. You, you know what? You fucking can tell that I'm having a great time. I right? don't know. You know I, I don't can. know you. You, can, no, you don't I, know I, me, I can, but you I know I'm know having you. a good time. <laughs> All right, you know that we're having a blast in here. All right. Back to the tape. <laughs> anyway, climate change. <laughs> oh, yeah. Big report. Back to more fun stuff. Yeah. Uh, from the United Nations drop this week, issuing a, quote, code red for humanity, end quote, and sounding a death knell for coal and fossil fuel, which is driving global warming. You call that a death knell, said ExxonMobil CEO, a demon riding a horse through a field of bones. That's all I have for that. <laughs> That's all you need. That was, that was killer, baby. <laughs> yeah, call that a death knell? Oh, shit. Hey, you know what? That can be our meet cute pilot. <laughs> Death Nell. It's called Death Nell. <laughs> it's called Death Nell. It only lasts one app. It's about her name is Nell. <laughs> Death Nell. Death Nell. Oh, Jodie Foster. Yes. <clears throat> the film Nell is worth a national conversation. I would like a season of American Crime Story by Ryan Murphy to focus yeah. on the creation of Nell and the decisions that went into the making of that film. Uh, because it is an extraordinary text from a fascinating time in American uh -huh. history, the 1990s. The seriousness with which they approached this film, Liam Neeson, Jodie Foster, the accent, <laughs> the science of Nell. Yeah. That's it. That's all I have. Oh, okay. See, I love, I love it. And also I have to say, uh, like, uh, truth be told, I never saw it. However, I did say uh, Little Man Tate. Little Man Tate. Little Man Tate. I remember Little Man Tate. I saw that in the theater with my mom, and I was fucking crying like a, a little bitch. Melancholy and the, for me. Yeah, yeah. And at the end, my mom was like, "Well, I guess I kind of hit some stuff." I was like, "I guess so, mom." Uh, yeah. Were you? Where did you always feel like uh, a tiny little genius? First of all, I never felt tiny or little, and never felt like a genius. I don't mm -hmm. know. I think it was just like like isolated kids, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like kids mm -hmm. that don't feel. Yeah. 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 Matilda, you know. Oh. Never saw it, but yes. I'm way older than you. It's a Roald Dahl book. <laughs> like, I know, I know. I thought you meant the movie. I did mean the movie, fuck. Also, yeah, okay, you know what? You son of a... I mean... <laughs> the climate. It's There's bad. A, it's, it's bad. It's bad. It's bad. It's, However, we're in trouble. <laughs> we are in trouble. We're in trubs, yes. The report says there is still a window of opportunity during which we can reduce emissions and avoid the worst outcomes. We just have to do one thing. Uh-huh which is more than anything we've ever done in human history. Just one thing, which is just more than we've ever uh, done before. Uh, that's all it takes. And Abby, oh. I don't have any times I'm going to have to say this uh, until it's taken as American policy. We're going to have to get the carbon out of the air. And I know that there's reasons that people think we're not going to be able to do that, that it's impossible, yeah. that the technology mm -hmm. won't work, we can't count on it, and even if we do capture greenhouse gases, we still have to do a lot to reduce emissions anyway. I'm fine with all that. I get that. Right. We're going to have yeah. to get it out of the air. We're going we to have to build giant, in my mind, giant machines. Huge! That suck, suck carbon dioxide and other climate changing gases out of the air. Yes! And we're going to have to turn them into other things like cement or Ooh. underground things. Just underground things. Them. 
And, yes. And one thing that I have learned, <laughs> there's no environmental problem you can't solve by hiding it underground. That's what we do. We got to find a place. We got to bury it. We got to get yes. the carbon out of the air. And then we yep. gotta bury it. We gotta bury it. Gotta bury it in the ground. Yeah, and I think it's queers that grew up. Uh, I think we've learned that burying stuff really does ju- wonders. We gotta queer the that- climate. We gotta queer <laughs> we gotta- the climate. Oh, queer the climate! <laughs> Except uh, finally we like bust it out of the uh, hiding, and then we don't want that shit to bust out. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, we don't. Listen, you, you know when you, <laughs> yeah. you know when, when you said, and I can't say it enough. I thought you were gonna say, and that's all I have. <laughs> I was like, wait for that. Quentin Tarantino revealed this week he has never given his mother money after she mocked his desire to be a writer when he was 12 years old, though he did help her out of a jam with the IRS. Yep. Now parents everywhere will think twice before they tell their kids, I'm not sure you get to use that word. (laughs) (laughs) And finally. Can I say one thing about that? Yes. He also said, but I have to say, the way that she said she didn't think my writing was any good is that it inspired me to work harder. So now I have all this fucking money and some very problematic art. So you know what? <laughs> it was like, yeah, so I never bought her a fucking house. I was like, wow, all right. I think he should. And, oh, and that's all I had. <laughs> and finally, David Schwimmer has officially denied rumors that he's dating Jennifer Aniston. David Schwimmer, he hardly knows her. <laughs> <laughs> Buddy, I was there the whole time, and I'm thrilled. <laughs> I'm thrilled. I love it. Hey, hey. but David Schwimmer um, is in this great show called Intelligence. I don't know if you've seen it. It's on uh, Peacock with Nick Mohammed, who created and wrote it. Have you seen that? No, I didn't know that Peacock launched. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is there something in... Oh, Oh. No, I'm happy with Peacock. Okay, I don't copy know what, that. I I'm, was good like, with, I'm good with Peacock. I didn't know I, if I, I had just... to worry about stuff. Uh, my, my mind was like, oh, I'm sure. um, yeah, so it's really good. And you know, Nick, I'm happy. Like, anyways, it's really funny. I, I would check it out. I don't know anybody involved in that show, but I think it's really good. We love it. We got David Sherman, a new show on Peacock. Yeah, well, season two. And, also, and Nick Muhammad, who we know as uh, Nate the Great from uh, Ted Nate Lasso. Nate the Great. He's brilliant. From Ted Lasso. You, oh. Peacock. <laughs> Paramount Plus. <laughs> There's so many great places to watch great things these days. Oh my God! Wait, is this is this like podcast uh, uh, support? No. Oh, I thought, we're unaffiliated. Okay, we're unaffiliated. I thought maybe this was like oh Netflix, here's some here's, HBO uh, Max, Apple. We can talk about them all. Showtime. Okay, Showtime. that was that was a Showtime. little that was a little pandering. We love all of our uh, sister networks, uh, the, uh, part of the Viacom family. <laughs> <laughs> Abby McEnany. Oh, thank God you get to say goodbye to me. <laughs> Sorry, I, I had a this ball. This was so much fun. This was so much fun. It was so great to meet you. What a delight. Everybody watch Work in Progress on Showtime. Abby McEnany. Bye. Thank you so much. we come back, I talked to BuzzFeed reporter David Mack about, um, it's about poppers. We have a conversation about poppers. But first, the governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo, announced that he would be resigning this week. And so, as we have in the past when candidates... Uh, step out of the limelight. It's time for uh, our In Memoriam. In Quomorium. You know, I've seen you referred to a little bit recently as the love gov. I do it with everyone. Friends, strangers, people who I meet on the street. Finger lakes, finger lakes, finger lakes. My sense of humor can be insensitive and off-putting. Little I detected, lilac, hydrangea, tulips, what does it smell like to you? Tulips, yes. I often will give them a grip of the arm, a pat on the face, a touch on the stomach. 
I was a cool dude in a loose mood. Hey, don't go anywhere. There's more of Love It or Leave It coming up. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something I need to get off my chest? What is your outlet for working through the things that stress you out? Oh, man. You know, I don't know. Pushing it down. <laughs> Pushing it all the way down. Getting it real down deep in there. Squish it. Squishing it. Squishing it real tight. Fighting through it. <laughs> Gotta fight through it. Skinny jeans are for dads. Fight it. You fight it. You push it down. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. <laughs> when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Not me. Not me. I'm running on rails. <laughs> Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Uh, I said to my therapist just yesterday, I just feel like I don't have the 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 attention span right now to focus on some of these longer term issues. And she's mm. like, you found a way to say that every session for the past five years. <laughs> If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Everybody needs therapy. You need therapy. I need therapy. Tommy needs therapy. Mm. We all need therapy. Mm-hmm. Visit BetterHelp.com slash love it today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash love it. And we're back. He is the deputy director of breaking news for BuzzFeed News and the journalist the gays need but don't deserve. Please welcome David Mack. Thank you for being here. That is on my business cards. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> I want to get into our topic with a story. And here's the story. I was on a vacation in Costa Rica with my partner, Ronan, and we happened to be doing a zip line, which he did not want to do, but I did. And we ended up being on this course with a bunch of gays that were in Costa Rica for a birthday party. And one of them was telling a story and that they had been, we were talking about the poisonous frogs of, of the rainforest. And he said that he was on the balcony at his hotel and all of a sudden a little tiny frog like jumped right next to him and he kind of shooted away with his hand. And he accidentally brushed, just lightly brushed the very top of this frog with the back of his hand. And all of a sudden, he felt a little bit strange, a little lightheaded, a little bit woozy. And he said it kind of was like poppers. And then one of his friends said, oh, that's awesome. I'm going to get one of those frogs and bring it home with me and put it in the drawer next to my bed. And then if somebody asks me, why is this frog in my bed? I'm going to say, oh, I use that to clean my VCR. (laughs) So the reason David is here today is because we are talking about poppers because he wrote a great piece for BuzzFeed that every gay person uh, should read because it's informative and every straight person should read because they'll find out what poppers are. First question to you, what are poppers and why did you want to write a piece about them? So I'll answer the second part first because every every year at BuzzFeed we do a sex week <laughs> series and they sort of sent out a call for submissions and like who wants to write something this year And, you know, typically it's like a lot of people writing like personal essays or things like that. What can I do about sex? I was like, no, I'm going to do a kind of like Woodward and Bernstein here. I want to (laughs) like, I want to investigate something. I was like, what can I do that is like a serious like investigation into something to do with sex? 
And yes, the answer, of course, was in the bedside drawer, right? Like, what are these things, these poppers, uh, that, uh, you know, people... I've, I've got friends, I've been at gay bars where people pass them around on the dance floor, right? You know, to inhale, but also, obviously, it's used during sex uh, as well. And comes in a small brown bottle. Uh, it is a chemical liquid that you inhale through your nostrils, one nostril at a time. And basically what it contains is alkyl nitrites. And I know this now because I've done the research, but of course when I started I didn't know anything about this. And I think it's fair to say a lot of gay men don't really know what the chemical is or what in no. hell you're putting in your body. No, no, uh, no what, nothing. What, Nobody knows anything. What's on the back of the frog, so to speak. Um, <laughs> and uh, Yeah, so they're called alkyl nitrites. And they've actually been around for, you know, since the mid-1840s. Millard Fillmore, famously. Right, right. Loved poppers. Big poppers queen. Uh, he, no. <laughs> uh, they've been around, they were used for about 100 years to treat angina, right? And so inhaled in um, like a glass ample kind of thing where you would crush or pop the, the, the kind of ample and inhale it to sort of relieve yourself of angina symptoms. And that hence the name poppers. About the 1960s, the preferred treatment for that changed. They kind of realized that there were a lot of men that were buying this product and using it for reasons that weren't to treat angina. These gay guys didn't have angina. No, so what it does is when you inhale it, it causes essentially uh, your body to uh, release nitric oxide in your body. And that causes your blood vessels to relax and expand. And it's basically a drop in blood pressure. And so it may, leaves you feeling quite like lightheaded and woozy for a couple of minutes. And during sex as well, it creates a kind of huge sort of rush in passion. And it can help to sort of loosen uh, the anus muscles, which obviously for gay men can be quite useful. Um, and so that's basically the chemical function of this. And I learned this because I literally called up the Chemical Society of America and was like, who have you got that can explain poppers to me? Yeah. And they delivered. Yeah. So there's you, you spoke to a writer named Adam Smith in the piece who's also, I think, writing a book about poppers. And what he said about this is... I see this whole thing as an amazing, bizarre, queer performance. This strange dance between regulators and people that want to fuck each other in the bum, Smith said. Here's the thing that everyone knows exists and is in the open and is available, and yet no one talks about it, and no one really wants to know the full details. And it's like, hello, queer history. Even in just reading your piece, one thing I was I was really struck by, I mean, you, you talk about it, but like, I've never read a goddamn word about poppers. It is not discussed. And there is this great moment where you reach out to one of the producers of it, and he basically says, well, either you're going to write this without me or you're going to write this with me, and i got to just tell you everything. And so you really get a lot of information about it. Uh, but why do you think this thing, poppers, is both ubiquitous and never discussed? I mean, you've hit at the central question of why I wanted to write the story in the first place, right? Like, here is this product. It's a drug that is banned technically by the government for human consumption. But of course, it's for sale everywhere under this uh, sort of charade that it is a nail polish remover or a VCR cleaner, as you mentioned. And the government is not stupid. They know what's going on, that it's you can buy this in sex shops and bodegas across the country, right? But they're choosing to sort of uh, just let that kind of exist over there. And I was fascinated by this idea of like, well, where do these things come from, right? Like, who is making them and who is profiting from them? As you said, in Adam Smith, uh, a British writer, great guy, he gave me that amazing quote about this kind of idea of this sort of dance between 
the government and the sort of gay community in in many senses we're kind of all going about this pretend system where buying these vcr cleaners for a technology that doesn't really exist anymore does it yeah it's a surprisingly stable market for vcr head cleaners these days but uh did you so one thing that was interesting to me and just the way the people involved in the poppers manufacturing business talk about it there's this little bit of like hey man we got a good thing going here don't fuck it up all right everybody just be cool we call it nail polish remover gay people sniff it in their noses to have sex and it is great did you feel a little bit of worry that you david mack personally may lead to the shutdown of the poppers business in the United States. It was a uh, concern that I discussed with some gay friends. Will I be banned from gay bars across the country? You will uh, be, my friend. Honestly, I'll, well, I'll, I'll sign the change.org petition if this thing goes away. I'll say you'll be I responsible. I think that's fair. Look, I'll, de- I'll deserve it. Uh, but I think definitely, you know, it was a, uh, you know, a worry of mine. But as you said before, I kind of was able to write this story because of the truly insane fact that two of the leading poppers manufacturers in this country are currently suing each other in federal courts, uh, never using the words poppers, Mm -mm. by the way, Uh, and the judge doesn't use the word poppers, but there and printed in the lawsuits are all these pictures of Rush and all the other brands, right? The judge is, of course, Uh, RuPaul. (laughs) Right. They, they never, you know, so they've got this incredible thing going on. So it was like on the public record that this was happening. And I, as you said, I reached out to these manufacturers and in the end, only one of them wanted to talk to me. But yeah, with the idea, as you said, that like there is this sort of thing that's been going on and they're kind of done things in a way where they are using these loopholes to sort of continue to get around this. And they've got a very good thing going on. Uh, but he was very gracious in the end and a really interesting character He's a straight, white, married guy with two adult children who lives outside Philadelphia, and he makes what he estimates is 75% of America's poppers. It's also, by the way, a good business. I want to talk about these prices. Dollar to make a, a container of poppers, four fifty to the wholesaler, $6 to the retailer, $20 to the consumer. We're getting screwed here. And then we're getting screwed here, you know? Well, <laughs> <laughs> The the yes, uh, there's a huge markup, and also one of the stunning things that I learned in reporting this from two people involved in the industry told me essentially all the brands are exactly the same. Yes, by the way, by the way, look, not to put too fine a point on it, but like that surprised me greatly. I was like, how can that possibly be true? Yes, that they're all just the exact same substance in those little jars. I talked to a guy that uh, wanted to remain anonymous in the story because essentially he was admitting that he'd been breaking the law. And uh, he is the self-described inventor of the brands, uh, what was it, Super Rush, Gold Rush, Black <laughs> Rush. And basically he had a background in marketing and was like, I learned all these things in marketing school where if you like sp- make it like a black label, people will think it costs more. Ex- it's more expensive and they'll pay more for it. Even though essentially... It's all the same chemical compound in all the bottles. It's where people are just convincing themselves that it's... They're all having a good laugh at our expense, put it that way. This is news you can use. Uh, so, <laughs> And then get used. And get yeah, used. Hey, we're having fun. Look, we're just having fun. Just a couple of people having a conversation. One other aspect of this is this, like, as we've been discussing, this wink and a nod that 
says something about the way we deal with drugs in this country generally. It is a strange thing, right? I, I don't know if you came across other examples or other analogs to poppers where there is this universally understood real use and everyone pretends otherwise. And like, I wondered, is it just because it's been around so long that we allow this? Like, this is not how we talk about mushrooms. Yes, there are people that abuse solvents in other kinds of ways, but those actually are products sold for a specific purpose. What was your lesson in terms of like how we regulate drugs or what other drugs are like this as you were kind of researching this story? The drug itself is really not dangerous to be clear like for most people right it is essentially as i said it's a two minute high um at most really for most people and it's dangerous for people who may have like heart or circulation issues also interestingly if you're taking uh, erectile dysfunction pills that's gonna uh, mess up with your when you blood pressure issues as well the, the deaths mostly that occur with poppers are when people are accidentally usually uh, drinking them by mistake. Maybe they're messed up at a club or at a bar or something and get handed something and think it's a five-hour energy drink or something, right? And that can kill you. Yeah. Those are the rare deaths with poppers. But as you say, there are drugs in this country that are legal that cause tens of thousands of deaths every year in this country. One of the original sort of king of poppers makers back in the 70s was sort of proudly talking about how he was making the third legal hedonistic product in America after tobacco and alcohol. The difference here is obviously this is hugely relevant to one community, right? A marginalized community. The reason why poppers is uh, subject to a federal ban, two of the particular compounds, is because it was originally done as a way of protecting the gay community uh, because this came about in the 80s when the AIDS crisis hit. Uh, poppers were one of the key suspects within the gay community for what might be causing AIDS. No one knew initially what was causing HIV, what was causing AIDS. And a lot of people, there was a big movement. They were perhaps carcinogenic, uh, that they were perhaps lowering the immune system. The ban was passed in 1990 after a lot of lobbying from the gay community to do something about this drug. Of course, we know that's not true now. Uh, but it's still subject to this ban. And I think any severe crackdown on poppers now, and part of the reason why in the end I wasn't too afraid to write this story, is because I don't think realistically any government has it in them to pick this battle with what is a hugely, uh, still a marginalised community, but also a very politically influential community. You know, when they tried to do this in the UK just a couple of years ago to try and do stricter regulation, you had a conservative MP uh, who, interestingly, is the uncle of uh, Emily Blunt, uh, the actor, (laughs) standing up in Westminster and giving a speech and saying, outing himself as a poppers user. He's a gay man and he was saying, like, I use poppers in sex. This is a stupid idea. We are going to fuel the black market. This will not go away. And all you will do is drive it underground and even more underground, perhaps, than it already is. To that point, one last question on this. As you said, there is a specific reason it is popular in the gay community because it is a drug that has a uh, felicitous impact on gay sex, on anal sex specifically. But it's also a party drug because it has a euphoric quality, has a rush to it. Why has it been so stuck in the gay community? Like... I think straight people would like poppers. 
What are they afraid of? The stories are there. More straight people are using it. Poppers have become more culturally prominent, for sure. Um, they're getting used by more straight people. And not just the kind of straight people that gay guys are bringing to gay bars, which are a lot of the you know straight people that I've seen use poppers have done it with gay friends and things like that. But the answer is, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I think it, as they continue to become more culturally prominent, uh, you know, there's celebrities like... Uh, Lena Dunham has said that she did poppers, and I think Sam Smith said they did them with uh, the lead singer of the Pussycat Dolls as well, who doesn't want to talk about it. But, uh, you know, they're they're everywhere, kind of getting more and more, you know, spoken about. And hopefully, you know, who knows, maybe my story will encourage... I definitely had colleagues be like, so what are these things? Like, yeah. where can I get them? Well, like, a friend was asking me where I could get some of these... What did you call them? You called them pop poppers? Pop poppers? <laughs> yes, I do think, uh, to our straight listener, give it a shot. Uh, <laughs> David Mack, thank you so much for getting to the bottom of this. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it's a really great story, and it's a fascinating topic because it is this queer story about a queer product... Uh, that is popular in a very queer way. So thank you so much for being here. And uh, when we come back, conservative firebrand Britt McClintock is here to publicly voice her regrets for spreading vaccine misinformation. Don't go anywhere. This is Love It or Leave It, and there's more on the way. All right, people, we all know the stakes of the 2024 election are high, whether it's keeping the Senate, taking back the House, or stopping Republicans at the state level. If you're ready to make a real difference... Sign up for Vote Save America's 2024 volunteer program. And just to make it interesting, we're pitting you against each other. Vote Save America will sort you onto a team east or west, and you'll compete with a community of other volunteers to maximize your impact on the ground with opportunities tailored to you and the causes you care about. The team with the highest volunteering staff could secure the biggest prize of all, the continuation of American democracy. Head to votesaveamerica.com slash 2024 now and get ready to organize or else. This message has been paid for by Vote Save America. You can learn more at votesaveamerica.com. And this ad has not been authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. And we're back. In the past few weeks, more and more conservative pundits have finally gotten on board the COVID vaccination train. Unfortunately, they caught the COVID vaccine train after the Delta variant forced countless others to catch the COVID refrigerated truck. One group of people that have become advocates for the vaccine, right-wing figures who didn't believe the virus was real and denied the need for vaccination until they learned the truth the hard way, either first or secondhand. Now they're urging their followers to get vaccinated before they, too, end up hospitalized. Joining us now is one of these former anti-vaxxers, radio host Britt McClintock, who recently battled the virus and who now has an important message, get vaccinated. Britt, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so glad you're feeling better. Oh, me too, John. Thank you so much for having me. Um, you know, I will be the first to admit that I've spent the last 10 months attacking every doctor, politician, and child of mine um, who wanted to cram the vaccine down my throat um, like a Capri Sun straw, you know, because um, that's my throat. That's my God-given throat, and I should be the only one cramming a Capri Sun straw down into it. But um, you know what hurts worse than trying to cram a Capri Sun straw around your throat, but never quite in your throat, mm -hmm. COVID-19. Oh, okay. COVID-19. Wow. It hurt, John. It hurt a lot. And um, I will say that fighting COVID-19 was a real wake-up call for me and my family and the several people at church who are high risk that I also infected <clears throat> mm -hmm. with COVID-19. So, you know, if you're listening to this, please forget the stuff I said three hours a day, five days a week for a full 17 months <laughs> um, about, you know, how the pandemic was created by, I don't know, Nancy Pelosi in the same lab that made Flubber and get the vaccine. 
Thank you, Britt. Let me just say thank you. Uh, it is heartening to hear someone willing to change their mind. I just wish you hadn't needed to go through something so horrible firsthand uh, to change your mind. Yeah, no, that's fair enough, buddy. Um, but that's just my way. You know, that's just how I do things. Uh, the other day, I was on my bulldozer, and I was tooling around the compound, clearing some trees out that my husband had cut down because we're the kind of people who we don't like any trees around because if there are too many trees, we get too much oxygen, and then we get a contact high, and we're not trying to go to hell. Right. So we, mm-hmm. were, we were clearing out the trees. And um, you know how it says on those sleeping pill packets not to operate heavy machinery yeah. when you take four of them? So uh, I close my eyes, and next thing I know... I wake up on the freeway about to bulldoze over a toll booth. <laughs> oh, my God. Toll- yeah. Are you okay? Were you all right? No. Yeah, no, I'm fine. I had exact change, so it wasn't a big deal. Oh. But it was a real wake-up call for me and my family, specifically the people saying, wake up, are you dead? You know, right. it was a real wake-up call. That was a wake-up call. Well, mm-hmm. I'm glad you're able to now take that warning seriously. It feels like maybe you should have listened to it before, you know? Okay. Um, some of us are just tactile learners, John. I don't know if you know what that word means. I don't, but I like to say it. Like, I learned the hard way um, about putting a fork into the toaster. You're not supposed to do that, right? Um, because you'll get the shock of your life. Um, it turns out, you know, it's, it's actually extremely dangerous, and a lot of people don't know that. Yeah, it's extremely dangerous to put a fork in a toaster. I think everybody knows that. I think everybody knows that. Okay, but I like to do my own research. Like, I just don't take the word of the mainstream media when it comes to what I can or cannot jam into my toaster. Because here's the thing. I like to put the isinone before, which is my rot as an American. Um, And then the next thing you know, my toaster strudel is on fire. My hair is sparking. There's a black flaming pastry flying across my kitchen that looks like Mary Magdalene, whore. Oh, my God. Were you okay? Were you you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. There are like six in a pack. That's not what I... Okay. But it was a real wake-up call for me and my family. Britt, it seems like... You would rather risk your life and do incredibly dangerous things than just accept the received wisdom of anyone in authority because it might inconvenience you in the slightest way. Do you see what I mean? Um, okay, do you know how it says not to eat the silica packets and beef jerky? Britt, you, did, you didn't. You didn't. Well, well I, I was driving with my baby in the lab the other day and I was eating some jerky. Britt, I'm sorry. And- I can't take this I can't take it anymore. Oh, my God. It's so funny you said that because that's exactly what my husband said when he came out. And I'm pro-gay now. And I really support the LGBTQ non community. LG- I really do. That's not what – that's not mm-hmm. – L- that's not – I can't – Britt McClintock, everybody. we got to get her out of here. One more thing. Trans people are still fake and landlord lives matter. Oh, my God. <laughs> get out of here. Britt McClintock, everybody. She doesn't believe things are real until they happen to her. They're not. <laughs> Thank you so much to Britt for being here. When we come back, we talk about the climate report and the bachelorette at the exact same time. And we're back. After eight long years of compiling and interpreting the most up-to-date data, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change released their latest report, and it's a barn burner. As in, all the barns will burn. <laughs> Look, <laughs> if you're like me, climate change is a lot like a bunch of old emails you forgot to respond to. Even when you're not thinking about it, it hangs over you a little bit all the time. So you try to distract yourself with blissfully mind-numbing reality TV. So we thought, why not do that in real time? Here to talk about both the climate change report from the IPCC and The Bachelorette, we have climate expert Molly Taff and The Bachelorette expert Ali Barthwell. Molly and Ali, thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks for having us. (laughs) Both important topics. Uh, Molly, I'm going to start with you. 
Uh, What surprised you most about this IPCC report? If you've been paying attention or reporting on this stuff for the last, you know, however many years since the last report, it's not particularly surprising. That said, seeing it laid out really sucks. This is hard to hear. It's the worst. Um, Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I I am like the world's worst party guest because like it's I just, you know, this stuff sucks. Um, I think for me, what was really hard to hear was that when the world got together for the Paris Agreement, they said if we could keep warming under 1.5 degrees Celsius um, since the 19th century, that we need to make that happen. That's already we're going to see massive changes with that warming, but we like absolutely have to keep under 1.5. This new report is like, well, folks, no matter what we do, we're going to reach 1.5 by the 2040s, which is far sooner than I would like to see it. But basically, that's what's going to happen regardless of what we do. And that's going to mean really, really terrible things. Allie, and it, I'm it, sorry, it, I can't take any more of it. Allie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, Could you let's believe when Katie came for Greg like that and on television? You know what? I actually can believe that Katie came for Greg like that. This entire season, Katie has been more concerned about doing the Bachelorette right than actually being open and vulnerable. And she had someone in front of her who was feeling emotional. He had like a shame hangover because he had expressed a feeling on television. <laughs> And like most straight men are not want to do that. And she looked at it and said, you know what? This is my girl power moment. I've been playing Olivia Rodrigo backstage and all my girlfriends are forwarding me links from Reddit. So let's talk about your acting career, which no one knew about. (laughs) This was not a thing that was part of the show. (laughs) Molly, back over to you. I just want to point out, first of all, that (laughs) Katie... When she had her Seattle date with Greg what, what's a couple going episodes on? ago, <laughs> they pulled out a rain machine. Do you know where they were filming? New Mexico. Do you know about the super drought that the West is facing right now? It is epic. It is historic. Water is going to become a scarce resource. You know what else they did? at the In the season finale, they had a giant effigy of Zozobra, a New Mexico tradition where they set a giant like effigy on fire and they burned their fears and anxieties that they had written on paper. And the entire time I'm watching it, like this resort is going up in flames. Let me tell you, Molly, this whole thing is going up. <laughs> Molly, the report makes clear yeah. that it is going to be hard for us to avoid hitting 1.5 degrees of warming, but that is not some magical line over which things are bad and before which things are okay. The report also no. says that the, if if we do hit some of the targets that we have already set, we will keep the number below two degrees. Do you see that as the kind of mission out of this report? Basically, if we hit some of the targets we've already set, we may keep it below two. We need to do more to keep it below 1.5. Yeah, I actually think, and here's a fun little twist, is there is some positivity in this report if you look super hard and you understand what we're trying to do. There is actually a call to action in this report, which is they say it's not still too late to stave off the worst impacts. And in fact, the real hope is that if we do everything right, by the time we hit 1.5, we may have developed enough technologies to help kick in like global cooling and techniques to sort of pull some of this carbon out of the atmosphere. The thing is, it's like going to be one of the hardest things humanity has probably ever done, mm-hmm. but we know what to do. Uh, we basically need to stop all fossil fuel use like 
very, very soon. Um, we need to stop all new fossil fuel exploration by next year, which is uh, quite a feat. And we need to start like a massive decarbonization and electrification effort and transition to renewable energy. So, you know, just really casual stuff, but there <laughs> is hope. We do know how to fix this. It's just going to be really hard. We are going to blow through some of those objectives, right? Like yeah. ExxonMobil stock price is based on the assumption that we're not going to do what you just said. Yeah. Uh, and so it does seem like we're going to need to rely on technologies that don't yet exist. My view, as obviously a famous scientist, uh, is that like we're going to have to figure out how to get this stuff out of the air. We gotta, we're going to have to build new technologies that removes carbon from the air. And I, then I hear climate scientists uh, who are obviously less renowned than me uh, saying that that's uh, going to be very difficult and not something we can rely on. Where are you on carbon capture? Oh, yeah. Interesting topic. With all due respect to your expertise, John, um, I think that <laughs> theoretically carbon capture is a yes and situation. We've got a lot of folks right now who are very excited about it. Bill Gates notably has sort of done this talking tour of how it's the answer. Um, but often paired with that attitude is this sort of approach that we're never going to meet these targets. So we need this technology instead. The answer needs to be, we need to develop those technologies, but also we need to get our ass in gear to stop using fossil fuels, period. Like we're, we're just not going to be able to do it otherwise. I think that decarbonizing the economy needs to go hand in hand with developing these sorts of technologies. Tech is great, but it can only do so much. That was so heavy. Uh, Allie, <laughs> do you miss Chris Harrison? No. <laughs> no. Chris Harrison is a sentient pair of L.L. Bean heritage chinos with a flat front that has decided <laughs> that he is capable and emotionally intelligent enough to guide the franchise when the majority of what he can do is look at someone say what is happening, and then announce what will happen next. <laughs> so Chris Harrison could easily be replaced with a set of cue cards that just had the date and time on them. Much of his job could be replaced with someone holding up a newspaper or a hotel itinerary. So am I excited? Tasha and Caitlin are returning for Michelle's season. Yes. Am I excited that Bachelor in Paradise is going to be having a series of celebrity hosts? We will see. Because I don't know if David Spade and Lil John really capture the energy of the Bachelor cinematic. Let me ask you this. Would love a follow-up on all of that. <laughs> Let me ask you this. New topic. Mm -hmm. I've come to learn that there's going to be some sort of Bachelor for seniors. Yes. Uh, sort of silver Bachelor. Yes. Incredible. Are you excited about this? Every time that they have had someone that's literally over the age of 29 on the show, it's been a better season. So the fact that there might be like people in their mid to late 60s really sounds like a treat. Uh, uh, Molly, uh, who would have been your top choice for Katie? Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's not right. <laughs> Who the one who didn't do a rain machine, John. Okay. That would be okay. my top choice. So, <laughs> so okay, the, so that's Blake or Justin. Where are we landing? Yeah, Blake or Justin. I mean, Justin was very handsome, but you know they're both a little bit like sentient Bumble profiles. So at this point, I have no comment. Molly, yeah, they're an algorithm sent to us by Tinder. <laughs> Absolutely, Lost control. 
And that's great. Molly. <laughs> yes. As you pointed out, the report indicates that getting to net zero will take unprecedented global cooperation. That feels very daunting, but at the same time, like we have seen countries working together and setting ambitious targets. Not not ambitious enough, but the US, we have exited and re-entered the Paris Climate Accords. We have. What does the level of cooperation we need look like compared to what we're seeing right now? I think what we're seeing right now is preschool learning to share blocks and we need to go up to like a master's degree in like international relations. We really need to ramp it up. Countries have notoriously not been very good at hammering out the details of these sorts of things. Um, We also kind of just need to get our own shit in order in the US first before we even kind of try to come to other countries and set examples. Um, With this infrastructure bill that just passed, for instance, um, the stuff that got taken out you know, in the bipartisan compromise was really, again, kind of kindergarten level stuff to start really getting our ass in gear to decarbonize. And the result is, you know, it's definitely not enough. So I love the optimism, but that's kind of not my jam. I really, <laughs> really, we, we, we need to see a lot more. And um, I am looking forward to, in a dark sense, what happens with the Glasgow Climate Talks this year, because I'm, I'm not really sure what's going to happen. Allie. Yes. How will climate change affect the future of The Bachelor, specifically Bachelor in Paradise, which in the trailer for the new season shows the contestants enduring a tropical storm? I mean, there there has been rain before. There had been sort of a gloomy day. But I think contestants, they have to spend a lot of time before they go on the season getting their eyebrows tattooed on, getting eyeliner tattooed on. This is a real thing that people do because they're on a beach with no hair and they have to do their own hair and makeup. So they get their face like tattooed on a lot of, a lot of the women have talked about, they're like, I get my eyeliner tattooed on, or I get like lip liner tattooed on. So I have, I will not melt off. That's cool. We're probably going to see a lot of uh, innovative beauty techniques to look your best while gale force (laughs) winds are whipping at your face (laughs) during a proposal. Uh, They may have to go to a resort that has walls because famously the resort is like an open air Bacchanal palace where everyone Mm -hmm. sleeps on bunk beds and there's like one room with air conditioning where you're allowed to go and have sex. So I think they'll have to reinvest in like walls so that we can really see some strong infrastructure necessary at Bachelor in Paradise. Final question for both of you. What can the Bachelorette do to solve climate change? Uh, Allie, we'll start with you. (laughs) Um, well, I mean, we've seen in these COVID seasons that they've been doing at these resorts, they're at one location, they're not jet setting around the globe to three or four global destinations. We're not going from Sioux Falls, South Dakota, to Tahiti, to Paris, to back to Bali. So I think they can stay in one place. They can uh, avoid any symbolic effigies that mm-hmm. will be burned to shed relationship stress, to maybe not encourage wildfires. Um, and then again, I'm really excited to see what sustainable, reusable makeup products and gowns we're going to see going forward. Yeah, I, I, that, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you. Thank you. Molly, same question to you. What can The Bachelorette do to solve climate change? You know, Allie hit it right on the head. And I would just <laughs> like to add, in 2014, after Governor Jerry Brown announced the first devastating drought in California, an episode air with Juan Pablo and um, then contestant, future Bachelorette Claire Crawley, where they unleashed um, hundreds of uh, thousands of tons of fake snow, or no, real mm-hmm. snow, 
on an LA set to transform it into a winter wonderland. So in the bachelor world, dates are extravagant and they often mean environmental extravagance. I would like to propose to the producers that straight people can be totally messy without you doing all that shit. Just put them on an island, put them in a room for God's sake. They'll do the work, stop wasting water, stop going to all these places they'll make the mess themselves. And that, I think that's how they're going to address it. And it was called Bachelor Winter Games. And it was a true goddamn delight. <laughs> it was a, win a winter Olympic themed bachelor spinoff where they took people from all the international seasons, put them in a house. They occasionally took them skiing or snowboarding. And it was a fucking treat. And there have been relationships that have lasted the test of time out of Bachelor Winter Games. A lesson there for all of us, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Molly Taft, Ali Barthwell, thank you both so much. When we come back, we'll end on a high note. And we're back because we all need it this week. Here it is, the high note. Hi, love it. This is John from California. My high point is that after uh, burning out at the end of the 2020 school year and taking a gap year, sort of, uh, working part-time during the pandemic, I am once again a classroom teacher. I just finished my first day at my new school, teaching seventh and eighth graders. Um, we're all masking and everything, but the fact that the kids are being good about it and the staff is being good about it and everything uh, really kind of gives me uh, some hope. Looking forward uh, to the rest of hopefully winding down this pandemic, getting back to normal, because uh, finding really quickly how much I miss the real classroom and how much I fucking hate Zoom. So, thanks, love it. Keep up this awesome show. I'll keep listening to it. Bye. Hey, Lovett. This is Liz from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Um, here's my high note for the week. We are opening our show in two weeks, so this is literally a high note uh, for me. I haven't performed in over six years, and um, I'm excited to be in a musical now that um, most people are vaccinated and um, people are uh, getting better in our area. Uh, thank you so much. I love all the pods, and I uh, hope you're well. Bye. Hey, love it. This is Sharon calling from Arizona. My high note for this week was prompted by something that was less than ideal. My 11-year-old daughter was sick for a couple of days. Uh, thankfully, it was not COVID, and she's feeling better now. Uh, but while she was under the weather, my 8-year-old uh, son just doted on her constantly and even stayed up late one night drawing her the most adorable card. And in it, he wrote a poem that said the following. So you will be the one to guide the way for everyone. You are the star that shines so bright. You have the keys to a wonderful world. Feel better soon. As a parent, the, the hardest thing about this pandemic has been having to watch my kids miss out on so many things. But this was just a great reminder that they've really gained an amazing relationship with each other over the last year and a half. They've made us so proud with how resilient and responsible and mature they've been about doing the right thing. You know, more so than a lot of adults have been, to be honest. Um, so shout out to all the parents out there who are raising a bunch of amazing kids during this crazy time. They are all the stars that shine bright and very much are the light that gives me hope during these crazy times. Thanks for all that you guys do. I love it. This is Leah. I'm calling from Raleigh, North Carolina with my high note for the week. And I'm so happy to report that my brother-in-law has decided, after months of saying he would never get vaccinated, he has decided to get his first vaccine dose today. We are really glad that we didn't give up and that we 
continued to try to coax him, although if you ask him, he came up with this idea on his own. Whatever it takes, but it's just really nice to get that last family member vaccinated. So anyways, thanks for all that you do. Bye. Thank you so much to everybody who called in. If you want to leave us a message about something that gave you hope, you can call us at 213-262-4427. Thank you to Abby McEnany, David Mack, Molly Taft, Allie Barthwell, and Blair Erskine, a.k.a. Britt McClintock. Never eat the silica packet. There are 451 days until the 2022 midterm elections. Have a great weekend. Love It or Leave It is a Crooked Media production. It is written and produced by me, John Lovett and Lee Eisenberg. Kendra James is our senior producer. Hallie Kiefer is our head writer. Jocelyn Kaufman, Pulavi Ganalan, and Peter Miller are the writers. Our associate producer is Brian Semmel. Bill Lance is our editor. And Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Our theme song is written and performed by Sure Sure. Thanks to our designers, Jesse McLean and Marissa Meyer, for creating and running all of our visuals, which you can't see because this is a podcast. And to our digital producers, Nar Melkonian and Milo Kim, Mia Kelman, and Matt DeGroot for filming and editing video each week so you can in quomorium in quomorium in quomorium in quomorium in quomorium in quomorium